Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Hey, when's the last time you heard an emergency siren in your community? Not not like a fire truck or a police car, um, but one of those like big sirens that's on a pole of some kind and it screams in the air. What 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 do yours mean when they go off? What is that siren um, telling you to do when you hear it? So depending on where you live, the answer to that question is different. So according to the National Weather Service, these outdoor warning sirens in various places across the United States of America, they mean different things depending on um, where you are. So here's uh, this is from the NationalWeatherService.gov website. In short, it means something life threatening is happening. You should go indoors and get more information. The specific guidelines, tornado, hail, wind, etc., for sounding sirens varies by jurisdiction. So check with your local community to find out the specifics. Okay, so let's check. Let's Google Hawaii um, and look for the sirens. So the sirens that didn't go off. This is what this conversation is about. People did not hear those sirens screaming, um, telling them, that they were in grave danger. Well, the sirens are part of the larger Hawaii statewide alert and warning system. It includes FEMA's integrated public alert warning system, um, which is uh, based largely now on wireless technology, wireless emergency alerts to alert the public. That means things that come on your cell phone, which, by the way, largely did not work in the area at the time. Um. What you're seeing uh, mostly is recorded video that was taken on cell phones, but those cell phones were not um, mobile connected at the time because the towers were down. Okay, Uh, so um, here's what you read if you go to Hawaii.gov, the DOD, the Department of Defense for Hawaii.gov. When a siren tone is heard, other than a scheduled test... You should tune in to local radio and television and cable stations for emergency information. Okay, well, all of those were down. If you are, listen to this, if you are in a low-lying area near the coastline, evacuate to higher ground. Go inland. Go vertical to at least the fourth floor or higher of a concrete building. Okay, if the sirens had intoned and people had followed the government's instructions of what to do when you hear one of those sirens, what would we now be saying? Well, the government told people to leave the coastline and go inland, and that was actually toward the fire. They told people to go up into buildings, um, and they were incinerated. We would be blaming the government if those sirens went off and people actually did 
followed the instructions that the sirens there are designed to communicate. It's no surprise to me that the head of Maui's emergency management agency has resigned. Um, Accusations upon this individual for not activating those disaster sirens during last week's wildfire response. Um, I mean, his, his life, his family have been under threat. He resigned yesterday, citing health reasons. Um, obviously, that individual now needs to be, needs to be replaced. Um, part of what is going on here is also related to worldview. If you haven't heard that firefighters did not have the water that they needed at the ends of those hoses, that they were drawing water from hydrants that were in some cases dry or very nearly dry, that they didn't have the water pressure that they needed. Not not that I think that would have changed much or much of anything when you see the videos. But the fact that those firefighters did not have access to water is actually a part of a larger conversation Um, And it's about water resource management. A decision was made. A decision was made to limit the water accessible to firefighters. Because in Hawaii, um, water is revered. People of animist faith revere water as a spirit. They view it with as sacred. Now, if you view water as a gift of God, not a God, then that sounds a little confusing to you. But there's a worldview at work here as well. And so all of these are going to be parts of the conversation. Um, water is not always understood to be um, the property of those who in a moment need it most. Um, And so part of what went on um, was there was a delay in supplying water to those on the front lines because they were waiting for a consultation with a local farmer who needed the water um, for his crops. You see the challenge, I suspect. So um, worldview matters. And how we see the world and ourselves in it as stewards of the resources that God has placed under our management um, is critical. And uh, the life of people um, needs to be needs to rise in terms of the level of concern um, versus uh, the the things of the earth. Um, and that is a challenge. That is a challenge that we're going to increasingly face in the world as um, as concern for um, things like water is raised to the level of, uh, of the sacred. Water is a gift of God, not a God. That's what I want you to keep in view today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, our brother Adam Holtz is back from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Hey, Adam. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? I am. It is well with my soul, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. All right, yeah. so um, we got a number of, uh, of of headlines to survey today. Netflix is one of the places that a lot of people access um, media, all kinds of media, actually. Um, and and Netflix has a process by which it makes recommendations to the person who is watching. So um, 
How does Netflix know things about people before they even seem to know them about themselves? And maybe which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Man, it's such a complicated question. But the short version is that not only Netflix, but every single thing that you do connected to the Internet, every click, how long you stay on a certain page, where on the page you seem to be concentrating, all of that data is being constantly analyzed and aggregated into a bigger model that um, gives all of these companies, Netflix being one of them, the ability to predictively say, we think that you are going to be interested in X. Uh, And so uh, in this case, there was a story in the BBC titled Netflix, How Did It Know I Was Bi Before I Did? Uh, And the author, Ellie House, basically talks about, you know, some of her growing curiosity, but she hadn't even really come to this conclusion herself. But there were enough clues there before she sort of realized it, that Netflix was paying very close attention to to her. Uh, And I want to make a a very perhaps um, unexpected leap here. But I think it's important, uh, and I hadn't thought about it till right this second, so so bear with me as I process out loud. I think that we can sometimes think about God and Satan uh, as uh, almost a dualistic yin and yang, two sides of the same coin, and we can mistakenly attribute to Satan qualities that uh, only God has, his omnis- um, omniscience, his omnipresence, and and those things are not true of Satan. Um, But, and I'm not saying Netflix is Satan, but in the same way, uh, we have an enemy that pays attention to us. And we have an enemy who is able to sort of make some predictive um, guesses about what we're going to do based on our behavior. Uh, And and so I think that there's a parallel there. Uh, And again, I'm I'm not trying to say that Satan or the internet, Satan and the internet are the same thing. Um, but just know that that we have both a spiritual enemy and we have real tech companies in real time monitoring every single thing we do. And I can't tell you for sure, but I'm convinced that that my smartphone is listening too, even when I think I don't have it on because my wife and I will have conversations and we'll get advertisements for things that we talked about that I've never searched for. Um, so I, I think if anything, it's a reminder, let's be wise, you know, let's be aware uh, and and just know that, unfortunately, the level of surveillance right now is is staggering and almost beyond belief in terms of our technology. Yeah, predictive AI is, um, is what is being used. And um, every time... It's not even that you click anymore. It's that you linger on something. Um, it's that you right. watch a 30-second ad all the way through instead of clicking yep. the X button um, or skipping the ad. So if you it, – it's, it's, it's gauging everything. Um, and everything. so, yes, I think, I think this is really good. Um, be aware of the reality of it and be wise in your, in your use. Um, know why they are um, suggesting what they're suggesting – 
and maybe ask yourself, what 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 is that telling them about me? What is it telling them about right. me that I have lingered on this and they're offering me more? Why do they think I want more of this? Um, yep. So that is really helpful. Adam, let's uh, take a very brief break. When we come back, um, I want to talk about the the future of faith films. I mean, after this outrageous, incredible success of both the Jesus Revolution and Sound of Freedom. We're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Hey, we're talking with our friend Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Have you seen Jesus Revolution? Have you seen Sound of Freedom? A lot of people have, and it uh, leads us to believe that the future of faith films looks pretty bright. Adam, um, what what's going on here? I mean, you know, if there's money to be made, then, then Hollywood is probably getting really interested. Well, that's the thing, right? We often accuse Hollywood of being woke, of being liberal, <laughs> being progressive, and there is uh, there there's some truth in <laughs> that's right there's some truth in those observations but you got to know that hollywood is fundamentally financially conservative and or potentially greedy as you have pointed out that they want to make money they're in business to make money uh and right now you know the behind the scenes scuttlebutt is there is a ton of conversation about disney about whether they have gone so far into preaching certain messages that they're alienating people and there are shareholders who are demanding accountability and saying look uh we're in this to make money so you have these movies i think you know the last day i looked at the box office it's one of my little personal uh nerdy things that i do sound of freedom was up to like 174 million dollars which is it's almost impossible to comprehend that this little under the radar film that I had never heard about until about a week before it came out in July has made more money than Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. It's made more money than Mission Impossible, more money than Elemental. Like it, uh, it has overperformed staggeringly and Hollywood's paying attention, I think. Um, and so, but this isn't the first time this has happened. We can go back 10 years almost to God's Not Dead, which made $60 million. And every couple of years this happens. And every time it happens, we get these stories like, man, can you believe these Christian movies make so much money? But maybe people's memory will be getting a little bit longer this time. Um, I think that we can, we can expect to see more movies like this because even, you know, people who aren't Christian are beginning to figure out there's some money to be made here. And and we see that with Lionsgate, especially, you know, they have the international rights to distribute the chosen. Now they were instrumental in helping get the chosen on the CW. Um, They're wrecking and they, you know, distributed Jesus revolution too. They recognize there's an underserved market and we're going to serve it. 
Yeah, that is um, that is really good. Um, I think we should also affirm, and I appreciated this in in a plugged in blog on this topic, finding God in godless media. Um, you know, everywhere there's truth, it's God's truth. So yes. we can. There are these theological thread lines. There are these God stories in what we might think of godless media. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that one of the things we talk about at Plugged In is worldview. Uh, and as you said, all truth is God's truth. And it's actually pretty rare that something is utterly and completely devoid of anything that resonates with a Christian worldview. Um, usually there's a little bit there. And we point that out in our movie reviews and our positive and spiritual elements. Um, and if we're willing to wade into that conversation, there's often a conversation to be had. Now, that has to be balanced with the recognition that there may also be content that is so egregious that we need to ask the question, do I need to see these images and be exposed to the, these ideas in order to have this conversation? And, and a lot of times the answer is going to be no. I'm not trying to use it as a rationalization to watch lots of junk. Uh, but sometimes there is a little bit more gray here than we might realize. And especially with our kids, we need to be having not just, oh, well, that movie has X, Y, or Z. You can't watch it. We need to be having worldview conversations with them because that's how we equip them to navigate the world when they're no longer, you know, in our purview. Mm, that's so good. Um, all right. We got uh, we got time for one review. Um, do you have one that's good that we can <laughs> recommend? <laughs> oh, not really. Uh, okay. the, the, the biggest thing out this week is The Monkey King, which is on Netflix. This is a retelling of, uh, by my understanding, as a, a white boy who grew up in Iowa, it's an ancient Chinese story that has been told many, many, many times. Uh, and there's a lot of Chinese spiritual content here. So in the same way, the stories that we make often reflect a Christian worldview. This is one that reflects a Chinese and a Buddhist worldview. Uh, I think this is a great example of a story that you might initially say, yeah, I'm not interested in that. But I think you could watch this one with your kids and have a fantastic worldview conversation about different cultures, about why you know, certain cultures tell certain stories where there are resonances with those stories with a Christian worldview. Uh, there's a lot that you could talk about here. And, and really that spiritual stuff is the biggest potential content issue that I think might, you know, initially cause some families to say no thanks. And you might still say no thanks. But again, I would say if we look for these sorts of, of exercises, we can begin to train our kids to think theologically and critically about the entertainment that is being thrust at us every day from every direction. Yeah, that's so good. Um, all right. So where are you um, seeing the theological positive thread lines out there in the media world today? We'd, we'd always love to hear from you on these topics as well. You can text us at 877-933-2484. Um, you can check out what we talked about today and tons of other content and reviews of everything from YouTube channels, obviously, to what is streaming and movies on the big screen as well at PluggedIn.com. Adam, thanks so much. You bet. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. Where is God? Where is God when I need him? Where is God when I call to him? And how do I know that it's actually God who's answering? Where are you, God? 
It's me. Where is God? Our Father is in heaven. Hallowed be his name. Where is God? Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Where is God? The Holy Spirit is very present here and now in us, in others, active, working. Are we cooperating with God's Holy Spirit or are we quenching it? These questions of where is God? And where is God when I need him? And where is God when I call to him? These are questions that um, in in the theological world um, are not irreconcilable, but they are described as this chasm, this reality between God's transcendence and the promise of God's eminence. So God is transcendent in that God is completely outside of our human experience. Um, God is holy and eternal, and um, God is beyond our reach. But God is also imminent. And the imminence of God means that God reveals himself. He makes himself known and is therefore knowable. He makes himself present and is therefore perceivable. In a word, God is close. So no matter how far away you feel from God, God is close, closer than your next breath. My dear friend Susie Larson joins us next. Closer Than Your Next Breath is her latest book, Where Is God When You Need Him Most? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Hey, my friend Susie Larson is here. You already know her. She is a host here on the Faith Radio Network. You already listen to Susie Larson Live, and if you don't, you should. Um, she she has um, such a giftedness in drawing out the truths of the faith and doing so in ways that draw us in to the truths of the faith. And so I'm just thrilled that she's here with us today. Her newest book is Closer Than Your Next Breath. We are giving away copies this month. You know this. We've been talking about it. If you have not already done so, you need to go to MyFaithRadio.com and register for one of the copies that um, we're giving away this month. And you also need to text the word CLOSER C-L-O-S-E-R, the word closer, to 877-933-2484 um, so that you can get all of the messages from Susie related um, related to this theme and topic. Susie, my friend, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. I love you so much. Such an honor to be with you. Thanks for having me. Um, so I know that um, this is a season of unpacking this content over and over and over again with lots of people. And so um, I recognize that and I respect that. And so um, thank you for the gift of your time today and the gift of these words. Um, how do we risk missing the supernatural by chasing the sensational? I love that question. One of my mm-hmm. uh, one of the favorite questions that you ask in this book. This is... Um, this is a book that is addressing an issue we all experience, we each experience, and that is we know we know, and we believe that God is and he's all-powerful and he's so great, but we do wonder if he's good and if he's listening and if he's present. Yeah, I love this topic so very much, and that was a question I really wanted to address, you know, do we chase the sensational 
and Mrs. Supernatural, but I don't want to come down too hard on people who are going from event to event. Oftentimes they're saying, I'm looking for God. Is he here? And that usually happens because maybe they experienced him, excuse me, at an event in the past. They went to a conference or a retreat, or they found him in some setting where God met them in such a visceral, tangible way that they, you know, something quickened within them. They're like, my soul is made for this. And yet we, we don't ever mature if we're going from sensation to sensation, because he's so much more than that. And if we're chasing sensational, I would say we are missing the supernatural because he's in the nooks and crannies of everyday life. I mean, he's in our new morning mercies. You can hear him and see him when the birds sing or a child laughs or a child is born. And my one of my favorite quotes was penned by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She says, earth is crammed with heaven, every common bush of fire with God. Only he who sees takes off his shoes, but the rest just sit around and pluck blackberries. And what I want to do so much in this book is not only cultivate a lifestyle that makes room to encounter God, to hear from God, but to help you not panic in the times in between, because there will be silent seasons. There will be times when life feels like a daily grind. Is his presence still good for you if you can't feel him, sense him, or hear him? Absolutely it is. And so that's one of the things I want to make the case for, that his presence is our good, even when we can't feel him. Um, feeling, that, that gets to that sensation question, right? It's yeah. not that I'm necessarily chasing after the sensational in the way the world understands that, but the sensate, the, the feeling, the, um, the physical experience of it. Um, Susie, I know you to be a lover of God's word, a lover of God, a lover of God's word. Um, and you could have chosen any number of passages to put at the front of this book to draw us into this conversation um, about God being closer to us than our next breath. You chose Psalm 139, verses 7 to 14. So I'd love for you to start with us there because that's where you start. Well, I, I tremble when I read this. And uh, this is God's living and breathing word. And uh you know, I, I wrote this as well because I hear people say sometimes, you know, God doesn't care where you work. He doesn't care where you park. Just do those things as unto him. And I could not disagree more with that. And my boys are grown now, but there was never once, and I wasn't a perfect mom, but there was never once when one of my boys said, Mom, can I go to the park or go to my friend's house? Never once where I said, I don't care. I mean, I care about everything mm, that they do. Mm. And Jesus delights in every detail of your life. He knows about every hair on your head. So with that in mind, that you have a father who thinks so many thoughts about you that can't be numbered, and all of his thoughts towards you are holy, think about that as I read this passage. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand will hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as a day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, for you form my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. My soul knows it very well. And parts of Psalm 139 talks about that all of my days were written down before I lived even one. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. That is a father especially taken with his children. Hmm. It's so it's so precious. We're talking with Susie Larson, 
closer than your next breath. Um, little different way of um, of getting in the book drawing, and that's because we have a hundred copies to give away this month here at Faith Radio. Um, and so you're going to go to myfaithradio.com, and uh, and you'll see there the very top of the page uh, how you can enter. Um, for a copy of um, of Closer Than Your Next Breath. We also invite you to simply text the word CLOSER to 877-933-2484. Um, we have a series of messages from Susie that we would simply like to deliver to you via text message um, periodically uh, over, over the course of time um, so that you could be blessed. So let us do that. Text the word CLOSER, C-L-O-S-E-R, to 877-933-2484. This is an invitation to pondering, a shared experience of pondering. I really appreciated that. I love the word ponder. I love what it means to ponder and to ponder together. So I'd like for you to issue that invitation, Susie. Um, this, uh, yeah, invite us to ponder with you. Well, I love that you mentioned that because in between each chapter, I have a section called Ponder His Presence, where I try to address some of the oft-asked questions, like this one, if I chase the sensational, might I miss the supernatural? And that one, as we touched on, you know, if I want you to slow down, be still, and know that He is God, because, you know, the earth it displays His handiwork, and truly, when you understand that He's in every nuanced nook and cranny of your life, you'll start to practice His presence. I mean, my life verses Psalm 116.9, and so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. Another ponderous present section is what does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit? Another one is how do I know if I'm hearing the voice of God? Um, how should his presence impact us? Is feeling good the same as feeling God? What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Is there anything I can do when God seems silent? And uh, if God can intervene, why doesn't he? And what does it mean to fix our eyes? And what we cannot see, and what does it mean to fear God? So I want you to slow down and just consider the majesty, the authority, the love of Almighty God, and our part, our role in in practicing His presence and trusting His character. As I said in my previous book, Strong in Battle, every day we're given the choice and opportunity multiple times. Do I accuse God or do I trust Him? And the enemy is constantly building a case against God, especially in those times in between. And will you decide to trust him? And one of the things I hope to do in this book is to help you understand you're tethered to a really good God. You're tethered to a steady, sturdy God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we uh, tend to build idols in those quiet seasons, in the waiting seasons. We tend to numb out our pain. We tend to forget who God is and forget who we are. So I want you to scoot closer. I want you to enjoy his presence and then to trust him in those times and places when you can't see him. I appreciate the places um, in here where you talk about the moments in your history. Um, that These are like invitations into your storyline and its intersection with my storyline as a believer and certainly um, God's unfolding story. And so thank you for those places, Susie, where you're so, transplant, so transparent. At one of those um, moments in my history sections, you're describing um, crying out to the Lord, and um, and the answer, after a period of silence, um, really being this question from God about whether or not it was okay that you that He just be God, or that you would only really honor Him as God if He did what you told Him to do, like that is a piercing moment yeah. of recognition. 
Yeah, and I can share that, but I will just tell you this is the thing about God is that there are times when he moves in and it's a confrontation. It's not condemnation. It's mm-hmm. an invitation. You know, he doesn't humiliate his children, but he definitely humbles his children at times. And all you got to do is look at stories from scripture. People became his dead men. You know, he's so majestic and powerful and mighty. I always say he's not to be trifled with, but he wants you to know that he enjoys you and loves you. And in that moment, I mean, some who listen probably know my backstory, but as a young mom battling Lyme disease, I was still fairly new in my faith. And entered this season of Lyme disease with three little kids and more medical debt, so much medical debt, more than our income. And my friends had the opposite. They had health, they had wealth, and the contrast was not lost on me. And I wondered, did God change his mind about me? Is there another reason I'm a have not, you know? And so really got to the point where I was begging God every night, please heal me. And I really even transferred my prayer with, if not for me then, at least for my children. And, And the word on the page was dead. It felt like I'd opened the Word and I just couldn't find anything there. I pray and it felt like I got the opposite. And I'm like, did you lose my address? Did you change your mind? What what happened? And every night, please God, if not for me, for them. And the Lord thundered through and broke through the silence one night and said, if I healed you, would you praise me? And I said, you wouldn't be able to shut me up. And I was so glad to have some dialogue, you know, oh, I'm hearing you. Yes, I would praise you till the cows came home. And he thundered back. Why? Because I sent my son, my one and only son, to die a brutal death for you or because you got your way. And in that moment, Carmen, my life passed before my eyes and I, I saw so much of my relationship was based with God was based on what he could do for me. And though others would say, well, you're a mom and you were sick and you wanted to feel better. I, my righteousness was filthy rags. I literally rolled out of bed, went face down. And said, Lord, you've been my Savior up to this point, but you haven't been my Lord. And I, if you never heal me, I will hate it. It will be hard for me. But I'm going to follow you on your terms, not mine. And out of that place came a poem. And if I don't know if you have to go to break or if you want me to share it here. But um, this was a thundering moment that changed how I walked with God. Do I have time to share it or do you need to go Let's to break? Um- Let's uh, let's have you share that poem um, when we come back from a very brief break. We're going to continue our conversation with Susie Larson. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Have you ever wondered where God is when you feel like you need him most? Do you recognize that he's closer than your next breath? Are you confident in that? Do you trust in that? Susie Larson has a brand new book, Closer Than Your Next Breath, Where Is God When You Need Him Most? And we're giving away 100 copies of it this month. So we want you to win yours at MyFaithRadio.com. I want to encourage you right now that there is nothing like living in the fullness of the presence of God moment by moment. No matter what is going on, you can live as a person who is content in the presence of God. God is literally with you always, closer than your next breath. And we want you to experience that. So grab a copy of Closer Than Your Next Breath. You can sign up to win one at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Susie Larson. Um, She is the host of Susie Larson Live here on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, You should already be subscribed to her podcast and listening to her show. She's the author of more than 20 books. The latest one, Closer Than Your Next Breath. She's here with us today um, to continue a conversation about this. Um, Susie, A Time for Everything is is the poem 
um, that begins on page 67 of the book. I suspect that's the one you're about to read to us. Yeah, and I'm going to do that from memory, so if you catch a line that I get it wrong, because <laughs> I wrote it <laughs> over okay. three decades ago, but this came uh, you know, at a moment in the middle of the night when I'd begged God to heal me, and he broke through and said, if I healed you, would you praise me? And I said, you wouldn't be able to stop me. And he said, why? Because I'm God and sent my son or because you got your way? And I'm true. That's when you know you've encountered God because I was cut to the core. Our God is a consuming fire. He consumes up our enemy, but he also consumes up our flesh. And I went face down in the middle of the night begging God for mercy. And this is what poured out of me. I grabbed my journal. I've walked through many storms. My prayers were filled with tears. The enemy was so big, confirming all my fears. To a distant God, I would ever cry, just wanting an answer, always asking why. Yet heard I not from him, nor his angels singing. T'was all that I could do, his robe to keep on clinging. Then suddenly one night as I beckoned him to be, so real that I could feel him, he finally spoke to me. Said he, my daughter Susie, I love you with my life. No more would I ever hurt you than be the cause of your strife. You see, it's not my hand that's delivered all this pain, but it's true my hand is there to hold yours in the rain. It's something how I'm good to those whose life is fair, and to those whose life is hard, I never hear their prayer. It's something how men see me according to their need. Instead of praise and faith, they ask and beg and plead. I am a God who doesn't change with time, nor change I with the season. I don't have to explain myself nor give you detailed reason. I've given all that I could give when I gave to you my son. I emptied out myself for you as if you were the only one. But what I do, I do for you because I love you so. What I allow, I allow for you because I want you to grow. In faith, praise, and trust, you will find you are strong when demands are replaced by a faith-filled praise song. It is there you'll find peace where there once was strife, and it'll be just enough to have me in your life. That was a a moment like the men in the Bible. I went face down and... uh I walked with God differently, like I walked with a limp after that day. First of all, thank you. Um, Thank you for taking us into your walk with God, your relationship with God, um, because it's an invitation to the rest of us to draw near in these ways and to consider with seriousness, to ponder, to reflect um, to pray, to wait, to exalt, to glorify, um, and so I want to I want to say thank you for all of that. One of the places in in the book that um, I just felt like wow, like that that's just one of those. Let me stop right here and sit for a minute. Um, this is this conversation about God maturing us, hmm. and I think the challenge that many of us face is we would really like for God to baby us, not to make yeah. <laughs> Coddle us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what does it mean? Um, let me just ask this question, and we've got a couple of minutes here for you to unpack this, um, because I, I think that it is, um, this is, the, every portion of the book is helpful, but what does it mean to fix our eyes on what we cannot see? Um, because I think that for a lot of us, if we can't see it and we can't smell it and we can't taste it, again, this gets back to the conversation about sensation, um, it, it, we, it's as if it's not real to us, but God is more real to you and more real to me than much of what we can see and taste and touch and feel. And so 
can you just unpack that for us a little bit? What does it mean to fix our eyes on what we cannot see? You know, praise God we have his word. If we wonder what God is like, look at Jesus, you know, and read his word. And I don't remember if I told this story in this book or a past book, but I remember I was just fixating on my circumstances. You know, I, I, I'm, I love outdoors, so I love sky, the morning sky. I love to walk and, you know, I love the sound of birds. And I, I was looking at the sky, having time with God. And then all of a sudden, my mind went into the ditch of my circumstances, my pain, my fears. What I realized, I'd seen some bird doo-doo on the window. <laughs> and I was fixating on that as I was rehearsing the stuff. And I, you can notice when, you're, when your thoughts are going rogue is when your gut ties up in a knot, when you lose your peace, you're fixing your eyes on the temporary. And that's what the enemy wants. And I remember the whisper of the Lord, look above it. And I looked above the bird doo-doo and looked out the window again and saw the sun peeking through the trees and the wind just whispering through the leaves and birds were just flying and doing a little dance in the sky. And I was like, you know, and so I was still seeing what I could see, but I was seeing God's handiwork. And it was such a picture and a reminder to me that when we fix our eyes on what we cannot see, uh, we're fixing our eyes on the eternal. You are more spiritual than you are physical. You're passing through. You're a foreigner in this earth. And when these troubles tempt or compel us to look up, to go, I am made for another world. I mean, I have eternity set in my heart. I have a God who knows my name. I mean, go to Psalm 145, 146, and look at just, you'll be reminded of the majesty and glory of God. You will feel a visceral reaction. Talk about feelings. When you start to declare uh, who God is above your circumstances. And, you know, there's a passage, I think it's Psalm 147. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. He put the stars in place and calls them each by name. That to me is fixing your mm. eyes on a God you cannot see. You physically, viscerally will sense a difference because eternity is set in your heart. And then if I could just say one more thing, what you suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed in your life and through your life when Jesus returns. All of creation groans for that day. And to me, we're made for that. And if we can practice his presence and declare his glory and keep our eyes on Jesus, uh, we will walk valiantly through this broken world. And the enemy is uh, doing everything he can to distract us from the glory of God. He's wanting you to look left and right, fixate on your circumstances or on the politician that you can't stand. And Jesus is grabbing your chin, tilting it up, saying, look up, look up, look above it, see me. And that's to me when you're going to have kingdom power in your steps. Holy God, thank you so much um, for our sister Susie. And thank you so much for pouring yourself uh, into her and using her in our lives. And so, Father, we ask that you would anoint her to have the conversations that are yet before her today. Um, We thank you for the gift of this book and walking with her um, in the midst of your counsel and your goodness. Thank you for revealing yourself in ways that we can apprehend. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm. Susie, thank you so much. I love you, friend. Oh, I love you too. It's it's you're just precious to me. Closer than your next breath is Susie Larson's latest book. You can register uh, to win a copy at myfaithradio.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Mary says on the text line, "Wow, would I still praise him because of who he is or would it be because I got my way?" Convicted, cut to the heart. My guess is that uh Susie Larson, um, or something that she has said has cut you to the heart. Let's be um, building her up in prayer today. 
She's got a lot of interviews to do related to the book. Um, and so let's be uh, let's be building her up in prayer today. Let's be serving our sister as she so faithfully serves us in so many ways. What a privilege to be with you today. The Farm Report is, you know, it's all growing here. It's all good. Um, thank you so much for the precious gift of your time today. Um, I value it. Would appreciate it if you would share this with someone new. Invite somebody to download the Faith Radio app and listen to the podcast. That would be a great way for you to be a missionary of the ministry and be praying for us as we look forward to and anticipate our upcoming fall fundraiser. Not too early to um, start praying with us toward that. This day, in view of that day, have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.